This episode of The Working Experience is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their child's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into your Still Believe video to amaze your children. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the Tooth Fairy and Santa and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is free to download and also has in-app purchases. So for $3, you can catch the Tooth Fairy in your home. The Still Believe app is available for the iPhone on the App Store and Android on Google Play. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. And that's S-T-I-L-L-B-E-L-I-E-V-E dot C-O. The Still Believe app was created by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John, J-O-H-N, at OneCircleMedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio, and that's J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his Sexual toenails at the desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience podcast on this second day of February 2019. This is Maddie Kay. And John, this is uh, affirmation that we have um, not gone away. We have not quit. We have not given up. We will persevere and make podcasts on, in, until infinity. Grinding. Until, we're grinding. We're grinding. hustling. I was grinding so hard. Uh, went to the supermarket and came back. We already did a podcast earlier this morning. And now we're doing a second one. Talk about grinding. That's, that's grit. Yeah, that is that's what it all boils down. It boils down to one word. Pretty much everything in your life can be uh, fixed, summed up with an affirmation. Um, so uh, we would love it, dearly love it, because you know it's hard to know 
if uh, it's just me talking to John, looking at him on the screen, shoving some sort of fruit parfait into his face uh, while we're recording. Yeah, listen, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> eat, my friend. I gotta. I'm drinking my coffee. I gotta eat breakfast. After this, this is a, it's a hustle. It's I'm a hu- always. You're multitasking. I'm, I'm multitasking. Yeah, I'm that's multitasking. Right. You're, uh, you're doing this. You're filing your taxes. <laughs> you're running it out of the room. Just exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, but like I was saying, we, uh, you know, we're we're just talking to each other. Then we send these files out. I have no idea. I get no feedback or anything. So we would love for you guys to subscribe. We would love any kind of feedback you could put on iTunes. Again, positive, negative. Give us, give us suggestions uh, to make it better, what you want to hear. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear you had a bad commuting day. Uh, you can't stand your, your coworker. You need to vent. Ask us a question. You know, we've both been on job interviews. We've done all that jazz. And uh, someone was talking the other day. Um, you know, about uh, he had a job interview coming up and he had left his other job under not wonderful circumstances. He and his manager did not get along. And, you know, he really didn't know about asking for a reference or what he was supposed to say to, uh, you know, his prospective employer. And I always thought, you know, you never badmouth anybody previously. You never, that, that can go badly That's so the, quickly. Uh... That's the first thing that rolls off my lips. Right. What a bunch of <laughs> Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we have this time to talk. Let me tell you about my asshole boss <laughs> my, my last job. This guy <laughs> but, was such a Yeah, and it's always their problem, never yours. Never no. No, it was never it was it was never your fault. Ever ever. So this this, <laughs> this guy's younger. He's in his mid 20s. He's uh, kind of a, a I know him through a friend and he, uh, you know, he was like, I don't really know what to say. And, you know, myself and my other friend, John, just said, uh, you know, just don't badmouth a guy. Just say, look, you know, we, we just had some differences, a little, you know, and say like I, I could have communicated things better. And I, I felt like, you know, we just didn't really, we weren't that simpatico. I think he's a great manager and everything. It's just, you know, it didn't quite work out in our working relationship and, and you know, leave it at that. Yeah, so um, we we know from our analytics that we have listeners. We know we know there are people out there that are listening. We have the numbers. We have the numbers. So we have the numbers. Right. But we would love if you could reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at work w o r k at theworkingexperience.com. Uh, if you have store, if you want career advice. If you have stories about uh, a really uh, bad commute, uh, a, a terrible boss, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to uh, talk about them on air. You could either just uh, email us the story or you could record the story on your voice memo or a similar voice recording device, um, app on your Android phone and just send them in to us and uh, give us your name and your location and we will read them on the air. And also, if you could kindly share this podcast with uh, all your friends on social media, if you enjoy it, it's a huge help to us um, to get the word out and and spread the love of the working experience. And 
we're, we're actually in the process of making up some t-shirts. Is that correct, Matt? Oh, or yeah. Am I... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They are stylish t-shirts, let me tell you. When I ordered them myself. Well, I am I'm on my fifth mortgage of my house. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to buy maybe a hundred thousand t-shirts because I know <laughs> these things are going to sell like this, hotcakes. This is your only way out of the financial hole that you dug for yeah. yourself. I, I'm in a deep hole, and I'm gonna, I'm going to have my kids unload the t-shirts from the um, from the trucks and be like, I'm going to be like Aiden. You know, there's no pressure or anything, but if, if daddy doesn't sell these t-shirts, you're not going to college. No, well, have you know? him bring them to school and sell them at school. Yeah. You know, really I, well, I just want to be, I just want to be completely transparent about the entire process. Well, this if, is, this is about your, for your family, who's probably falling into a pit of despair. This is about your <laughs> seventh seventh money-making scheme maybe eighth something like that <laughs> no we're well we're well into the double digits here uh, oh, this is not the seventh we are deep genie deep deep genie this is the one <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the one t-shirts and she's weeping into the sofa yeah, just just this ridiculous design no and the truck pulls up <laughs> Everybody loves T-shirts. What are you talking about? Gonna... Yeah, what are you look around. Now look, Everybody can wear a T-shirt. I know you said you didn't want to hear the word refinance again, but I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> telling you. All right? It's, it, it's not a gamble. It. It's not a gamble. It's, it's a sure this thing. Is a, this is a sure thing. It's, uh, you know, it, it's funny because the guy in uh, who we've talked about in uh, Ray Kroc in uh, – that movie, the McDonald's movie, the founder. Yes. He was really like that, you know, and I, I guess he had to endure some ridicule and things like that. And, and that is, you know, the real kind of difference between people like him who, who will put it out there four five, six, twelve 12 times. And, you know, they have a thick skin and, you know, people kind of, make fun of you and whatnot when you're trying something. It happens to, you know, to everybody. Um, like I was reading about Newt Gingrich, who it's this book, a great book uh, called Red and Blue America. And it's, it goes back into the 70s and then tries to hit that point where we really became this very tribalistic, uh, in terms of politics, society, Red and Blue America. And it, he pinpoints it with Newt Gingrich. And Newt Gingrich was like just ridiculed and laughed at and disrespected by all of his colleagues when he first arrived in Congress. And then he became Speaker of the House. And it was like, all of a sudden, people had to, you know, sit up and take notice. And, you know, it is those people who are willing to go out there and, yeah, make the t-shirts and promote their podcast. And do all well, that I'm going to use that, that Newt Gingrich story with my wife. Definitely. I mean, I'm just going to hammer it down. You yeah, are Newt my... Gingrich. <laughs> you tell her I am Newt Gingrich. That's that's exactly. Okay. We got to we, we got to focus, Matt. We got to focus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what's the so? What's let me the let me give a little let me give a little it? shout out to it, the the place is called Susie S U S I. I'll get a little more information from them, but they're the people who are doing the t shirts, and uh, they have a little shop in Braintree. They've been doing been there for a very long time, and they also do art and things like that. So we'll do a little profile on them. Um, 
But we were going to talk about these, I guess, businesses, and this is what they must hire business consultants for, is to kind of come up with the optimal um, workspace so their workers are happy, productive, and I think this has morphed quite, well, I know it has, it's morphed quite a bit over the years. You know, you had like the traditional offices for a long time, and then there were the <laughs> the cubicles, which sounds like when I read about them, it sounds like a great idea. Like you can move the walls around and you're not locked in to, you know, just this one, you know, uh, office plan. But they became symbolic in the 90s of the just like dreaded, like you became uh, like, a, I think there were words like cube rats and stuff. Like it just became the symbol of everything that people hated about work. The, the soul sucking, because you were literally like, you know, and, and I've seen like illustrations of it and cartoons of like, it's like a rats in a maze. It's like a like the traditional like rat race. And but ironically, what this article is, is saying is that a lot of people value their privacy. And, you know, if you're in an open uh, workspace, you know, Tim next to you is eating a, a bag of Cheetos. You know, Susie across from you is clipping her toenails. Someone's on a phone call slapping someone's back. I mean, it. You, you can't get any work done in an open open uh, style workplace. Well, I, yeah. And this, um, let me, I'm just pulling up the, uh, the article here. This is on Medium. And it's this guy, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's A-Y-T-E-K-I-N Tank. So it's like Aitken Tank. Uh says why open office design makes you less productive and there's a picture here of all these people sitting at these long desks everybody in front of a laptop and uh yeah you know he <clears throat> i could definitely see he talks about those um those distractions but if he does say if the late 90s brought us Office space style, dismal workspaces framed by lifeless beige cubicle walls. The 21st century ushered in bright, airy, open plan offices. Uh, like unlimited snacks and craft coffee on tap, the open office concept seemed revolutionary, bound to improve the quality of an employee's work experience. I, I don't think people of my father's and your father's generation talked about a work experience like you you went to work you know that that was like they weren't really there to provide you with um positivity and a, and a, a positive no. like you were there to work it yeah was, it was it was a you know it was almost like a sentence like you you put in the work you got a paycheck end of story like right. our grandfathers would laugh at the thought of massage tables, foosball tables, <laughs> ping pong, a, a, uh, a meditation retreat center within an office. My grandfather would literally come in and smack me upside my head. If I was, if I was ringing a Buddhist bell and meditating <laughs> during work. 
I'm serious. No, I know. But now know. it it's not even that is like oh you you have a you have a retreat center here you know oh that's that's great we have a, we have a a Buddhist monk who will will bring you into a, a deep bliss during your uh, during your work schedule. Yeah. And, you know, it it does just seem like the proverbial silk hat on the pig. Like, however you arrange this, whether you have cubicles, you have an open workspace, you have craft coffee, whatever you have, it's still, it's just trying to cover for the fact that, you know, you're just doing something that you don't really find particularly rewarding, you know? So you have to keep you know, managers and, and, you know, owners of companies have to keep coming up with this stuff to like cover for the fact that, you well, know, it's, it's, a, it's like this, it's the shiny new gadget. It's, yeah. the, it's yeah. the new, um, the new weight loss trick, you know, yeah. Yeah. but you're, you're right. It's like, it's like, okay, cubicles don't work. Like open office space doesn't work. Well, <laughs> right. What's, what's going to, what's going to work? You know, I don't know. But Telecommuting was a, supposed to be a big thing. And that's, I don't know. A lot of people say they don't even like that, you know, because they don't even have the social interaction of the office anymore. And it's like, well, again, it's maybe, just the job, you know? I, I don't know, maybe people don't like work. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that, that could be it. And if they don't <laughs> like work, that's yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. Like you just sort of, uh, what, what was I, I was just reading something. Oh, it was on Instagram. Somebody put up this thing. And a lot of this stuff on Instagram is, you know, I find kind of laughable, these affirmations and things like that. A lot of them just don't make a lot of sense. But this person, I'm actually trying to find it right now. I'm frantically scrolling through my internet. My, uh, <laughs> ooh, we got a like. Hold on. Hold on. We got a like on the working experience. Life coach growth liked my post. And here was my post. Let me read it to everybody. Take heart, your mediocre evaluation is slightly better than a terrible one. I think that's true, right? That's true. That's yeah, it's a lot of wisdom that's in truth. that. That is truth right there. Let me see if I can find... Well, uh, this person wrote, I think it was a woman, and it said, like, you know, some people just want to work 9 to 5 and not have some stupid side hustle. Like, stop, like, trying to force everybody to work 24 hours a day. And I thought, yeah. You know, you're right. Some people just want to put in the nine to five and, and live their lives. And it's like, okay. But, but even still, like, you know, you, you put in your nine to five. That's the majority of your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you got to do it. I mean, unless you have some other setup, like, you know, some people are not interested in starting up some sort of, uh, oh, this was great. This thing on, uh, I actually, this was my picture I put on instagram but it was from that magazine the week and it's these guys at davos you know that big meeting of politicians and billionaires and all that oh i'm, I'm aware and these three guys they're all just sitting there staring at their phones <laughs> like these three grown men and again i think they're watching pictures of penguins or something you know videos of penguins <laughs> or something like that you know they're not looking at anything about ah here it is let people work their nine-to-five jobs in peace. Not everyone wants to or should be a business owner. Some people want to invest their free time on relationships and adventure. Stop pressuring people into fruitless 
side hustles. God, you're you're wasting your life. You're not grinding. Chips. You're come not on. grinding. What are you doing? If you're not grinding, what are you doing? I mean, come on. Spend spending time with a loved one or a friend. Uh, waste of time. What's that phrase we had last week from that article? Like getting back, or like if it's not job productive, there was some phrase for it that was so like depressing. It was like everything had to be like. ROI? That was it. Return on investment. You know, you need to look at your son and say, Connor, what is the return on investment I'm getting right now? Okay? I, I always do that. Hey, hey, Dad, um, can you come outside and play basketball with me? Uh, well, son, the ROI on that <laughs> is very, very low. So Daddy's going to sit in front of his computer and type some buttons. To it, increase his ROI. Well, you tell tell Connor, say, look, if you can give me some hard data on the ROI on that, then I'll come out and play basketball yeah. with you. Start crunching numbers. But I need numbers. I need data. I need feedback. How is this going to benefit my business? And if it's not, then the answer's got to be no. And daddy's not doing it. Yeah. The, you know, uh, you, know you, you mentioned the, uh, what's the conference called? Davis? Davos? Davos. 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 There was a um, a scientist. It was he was on a panel. It was a viral clip. I don't know if you saw it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. They were, they were talking about like you know saving the world, and he's like he's like, well, you know, there's 80 private jets, right? <laughs> that yeah. people flew in here, right? And the majority of these multimillionaire billionaires are not paying their fair share of taxes, right? Why aren't we talking about that? Right. And it was like, it was literally a record scratch. Right. Everybody was like, what? Yeah. Huh? I know. And it was, it was just, it was a brilliant, is a brilliant question. I mean, we could go into the, the, uh, you know, we can, we can get into the weeds on this, but I love the fact that this guy is on this panel and he just, he calls everybody out. Davos, I mean, we talk about useless meetings and whatnot. Davos has to be the platinum standard of useless meetings. Like that's, <laughs> that's the, the global useless meeting of just billionaires patting themselves on the back and business as usual. Nothing ever. Like you and I were just talking before we got on this podcast about using Basecamp because we have a lot of ideas that we talk about on the phone and then we get off the phone and I forget 90% of them. That's Davos. Like that appears, like they talk about their philanthropical heroism, will not pay a dime in taxes and then get on their private jets and fly home. And that's it. Done. Right. It, it, you know, it's because it, it's to, for real change, like bottom up foundational change is you have to you have to get on the ground and get people involved and change people's minds and, and, and build a movement. And it also involves community. It involves the government. It involves businesses. It's not just this. You know, and, and look, this is, you can't, I've, you can't make a generality, right? Like the Gates Foundation. I've done work for the Gates Foundation, right? It should be very commendable that Bill Gates is spending his fortune to help less advantaged uh, people than himself, yes. especially yeah. in Africa. 
I did a film on malaria, uh, a documentary on malaria for everything he's doing to eradicate malaria. He's also doing a host of other things. It's very, very commendable. Not, And he's a billionaire. He's one of the richest people on earth. So uh, this is not a blanket statement, right? I'm not condemning organizations like that. But there are other <laughs> billionaires and organizations that, like you said, they're patting themselves on the back and how great of a job. But then it's business as usual where, you know, powerful countries and powerful companies take advantage of people, the environment, uh, fill in the blank. And there's not real, there's not real change involved. I, I just, you know, think, and we'll get back to the, uh, the article, but, um, uh, I just think most meetings and Davos again is the platinum standard of this are just kind of useless. Like, what's the point? Like, you all know what you're supposed to do. Why do you have to get together and meet about it? You know, uh, it just it's constant. Like, uh, who is it? Jerry Seinfeld was talking with Bill Burr about this on comedians and cars getting coffee, which I've watched like six, six episodes of now, and I really enjoy it. Um, oh, that's a, that's a great show. Yeah. It's like 15, 16 minutes. They have a, a nice conversation. Steve Martin, I saw on there. He was wonderful. Alec Baldwin was great. And it's such a, you know, it, it's kind of a sad statement that it's such a novelty to see two people sitting there with no phones. I think one episode, Jerry Seinfeld pulls his phone out for a second or somebody does to show someone a picture and they're just having a nice conversation and exchanging ideas and uh, he, um, why did I bring this up? I forgot why I bring the brought it up. The oh oh, they were talking about meetings in Hollywood, and, and uh, Bill Burr was saying that he'll be on these conference calls, and he'll be lying in bed, and he'll just put the phone on the other side of the bed, and like not even listen to it, and just kind of stare at the <laughs> ceiling. And then he said, when people stop talking, he's learned when they stop talking, he realizes a question was directed at him. And then he just says something, and then they just keep talking. <laughs> it's just completely unrelated to yeah. the question. and nobody's listening anyway. And Jerry Seinfeld said, these people never want to actually launch a project. They don't want to start a show. They love to have meetings. Because in meetings, there's no responsibility. You can just throw out words, throw out ideas, and everybody gets up and leaves the room. And then that's kind I've, of I've, it. I've, I've been in those meetings, and my personal favorite what i love is in order to justify your existence in your job you have to say something so if you're in a meeting with like it's like a meeting at a network a studio a corporate whatever it is right you're in there with 15 people that meeting probably could get done with about one-fifth the people in there sure. and the rest of the other people are useless but those people have to say something and, you know, oh, great. That's a great point, Barbara. I'm <laughs> talking crap. And you're like, what is going on? And then the meeting is 10 times longer than it should be. Yep. And it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's a complete waste of time. But everybody knows this. And it still goes Everyone on. knows it. Everyone knows it. Nobody, but nobody calls it out. Well, imagine if you don't get invited to the meeting. Now that's, that's a, bad. Yeah, that's a big problem. I think it, it really is kind of a litmus test for a lot of people. Like in D.C., if people are not returning your phone calls, you're done. 
You're just not important. If people are returning your phone calls or if they're calling you, then you're the man or you're the woman. Like if, if you're calling people, then you're not in a position of power. It's people calling you. Um, but also, you know, to get back to, uh, to this thing here, I mean, it, it does seem like, you know, they're pointing out the obvious, like it, it's a distraction to have all these people around you. It's just a distraction. Like some woman that, what does he say here? Uh, some woman's eating a tuna sandwich at her desk, you know, and somebody's talking loudly three desks down and somebody incessantly clicks a pen and, yeah, it's distracting. Like, do we need well, a it's, consultant yeah, it's, to tell us that? I mean, he this this guy runs. A, he's a startup. It's shotform.com. Yeah, yeah. And what he does is he'll he'll have like little breakout rooms of five people, and there's been research done that yeah, that's what five is a good number there. under under seven do, under seven people. Once it gets over seven, it gets a little crazy. Um. And, you know, this is like, you know, this is resulting in, you know, lower productivity, higher absentee rates, this open office. And the Information Overlord Research Group estimates that such distraction costs U.S. companies almost $1 trillion oh, annually. Jesus. Jesus <laughs> Christ. When you, when you think about it, it's like you look at an open office plan and you're like, this is great. Like, yeah. I'm not stuck in this cubicle. It's this wide open space. Oh, I, I want the cubicle. Every, I want I the cubicle. Every, I don't. I don't I want any of this. This. I is, know, but what I'm saying is, you on on paper, it looks so good. Yeah. But in reality, Ugh. you're you know you're cheek to cheek. It's like you're. It's like a. It's like you're commuting the entire day, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're with never these alone. You know, it's like alone. a cult. It's like a cult. Like a cult. They never leave you alone. Like you can't be left alone because then you might start looking around like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Like this, you know, I mean, I know it's and not it's, a cult. You, I know. It's yeah. like you, you're lo- you're looking at other people. You can't help but like eavesdrop on conversations. Totally. I mean, it, so it, it's a, it's an absolute disaster. Well, what if I have to pick my nose? I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know? You just got to do it. Jeez. Well, I like this quote here. If you're sitting in a sea of people, for instance, you might not only work hard to avoid distraction by, for example, putting on big headphones. That's a clear signal. But you have an audience at all times and also feel pressure to look busy. That's what jumps out at me, looking busy. That's what I would really struggle with because... <laughs> Sometimes I like to sit and stare into space. You know, I just need to, I well, need a break or whatever. You're in luck. You're in luck, Matt, because they actually uh, create programs that will run on your computer. <laughs> I'm not that. joking. <laughs> Google it. That. that will look appear that you're, you've got your your multitasking. <laughs> Spreadsheets are opening. You're coding. I'm not joking. You're. You're emailing, and all you have to do is just sit there. And it would be what you could do, and this is to all our listeners, is you can purchase a program like that and then listen to our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Have your little head earbuds in. And uh, yeah, so what you were talking about to support our teams, we give each one of them their own physical space. So they have these little rooms so their teams stay focused. Again, I don't know. This just sounds like, uh, but but you know what? I, are you looking at the article right now? 
Yeah. You know what? It's a total distraction. Is the man on the left with a man bun? Oh my That's god. That's a big distraction. I mean, big come on, man. I could not sit in a team meeting with this guy and not <laughs> just have to call attention to this. Like enough. Grab enough. A, grab a scissor and be like, I'm sorry. This is this is more distracting than the open works. I can't get I anything. Cut this off. Yeah, I can't get anything done with this. But, I mean, you know, he looks it, a little too old for it too, doesn't he? You can't really see his face, but I you know what I think this is? I think this is like I hope this is like a stock picture and not <laughs> a but it, it could yeah. be. It could be. I don't, I don't know. You know what? It's the the thing is, is this this group like this is basically how I run my business. Is it there are their teams are usually of about five people that jump on a project and and, and then work in in this capacity. I mean, I'm not I'm obviously not a big company. That's that's how basically I run my. What what are you doing? I can see you. It's like super close to the camera. Can you back up a little bit? I'm just I'm writing something down. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> see, this is what the video. I forget the videos on, and God knows what I'm doing. I'm not even aware of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's who awful. knows? I know. Uh, well, you know, it's funny though. The team thing is fine, but I read this book. It's actually up on my uh, shelf right now, called The Gatekeepers, and it's about how the office of the chief of staff was developed to it was developed during the Nixon administration and it was after Carter because Carter see I always thought there was a chief of staff I didn't realize it was you know in the scheme of things relatively new um <clears throat> what this guy Haldeman who was Nixon's first chief of staff I think it was Haldeman it was him or Ehrlichman but I think it was Haldeman said he realized you know for all his faults Nixon was a very intelligent guy and he said you know, the president has so many people. I mean, it's literally the most powerful job in the world. And everybody's got their thing that to them is the most important thing ever. So the president's constantly got people coming at him and it's just too much. And like Carter used to try to micromanage everything and you just can't do that. So he said he realized that what Nixon and other presidents need is time alone in a room, and he said with Nixon, it was literally time alone in a room with a yellow legal pad to sit down and think. And this is what, on the last podcast, we were talking about deep focus. That's why these ideas are not new. This is how everybody used to work up until about 20 years ago. That, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but, you know, the idea that, like, basically the president could juggle four things, and they, the chief of staff had to decide what are those four things? And then limit access to the president. Uh, you remember the movie um, American Gangster? Yes. Same principle applied. Frank Lucas, obviously a different job, big heroin dealer. Uh, but when he was trying to figure something out, he would check into a hotel. He would put the television in the hallway and order room service. And he would <laughs> Seriously, he would stay in there for two or three days until he figured the problem out. Like he would sit and think. And, you know, again, sit with a pad and a, a piece of paper, I mean, a, a pad and a pen, and write. And, and like, think about it and figure it out. And then come out and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I, I would I would say that nobody does that now. The, I mean, I do you, try to do that. I really do try to, when I'm thinking about lesson plans for my classroom, or I'm thinking about the podcast, or trying to write a script, 
I have to. I have to sit down and be like, shut everything off and just think about it. Like what? We were just talking about this with Basecamp, like how we have so many ideas we're trying to juggle and it's like, okay, we need to focus on two or three and do those. And, you know, like the deep focus thing. No, it's, 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 I couldn't agree more. It's extremely valuable to be able to, to focus on, you know, the specific task and to get deep work done because otherwise you're just like skating on the surface and you're, you're doing multiple things, but you know, at probably, you know, 20%, you know, capacity or efficiency or whatever the term is, you know, you, you'll get a lot done, but not anything of extreme value. Yeah. And again, I, I feel like maybe in a lot of jobs, it's sort of like, no, you got to get these 15 things done and we don't really care about, you know, it's like quantity versus quality, which I think is what, right, exactly. Uh, exactly. Who is our other guy? The guy, um, we talked, Oh, Cal Newport, you know, it was, seem to be getting to quality, like forget the, you know, 250 friends on Facebook, focus on the three that you know, you know, your family or whoever, and like do this one thing. I think it was Lee Iacocca back in the eighties. He took over Chrysler, I think it was, and they were right. failing very badly. Their cars were badly manufactured. And he took over and said, let's just do one thing well, like let's make the best rear view mirror in the business and we'll focus on that. And, you know, I don't remember too much about Lee Iacocca, but he kind of turned the business around. But yeah, and I, it seemed and, like. And, and that, that like holds true, like across industries. Like I always, you know, when I, when I see a new restaurant that comes up and ones that are successful and ones that are not successful is like, do one thing really really well like make the best pizza or make the you're known for the best ham sandwich or, or whatever it is whatever your calling card is and people will then come for that and you know what they'll buy other stuff but do one thing and perfect it you know what always kills me and it's all the chain restaurants do it their their menus whenever you see a restaurant and the menu's like 12 pages long. They don't do any of that well. And none of it's fresh. Like none of it's sign, good food. Sign me up. Sign yeah. me up. I mean, if I go to a place and it's like, you know, there's a diner I go to. Usually maybe twice a month on Friday evenings for dinner. And they have a pretty small menu. And it's it's the same stuff. And they do it fantastic. And it's not expensive and it's wonderful. I mean, their food is wonderful. They just concentrate. And the place looks like nothing. It just looks like any other diner. But they really do a good job. And as opposed to like, you know, chilies or something when it's oh, like, chilies. you know, the menu is like, they spend all their money on advertising. None of the food is fresh. I had a meal at Bertucci's. Do, they, do you have those down where you are? Yes. Yes, we do. We do. I now I can eat just about anything. I could not finish this meal. It was so bad. It was just like a standard Bert chicken dish. You know what, Bertucci's? You you made an amateur mistake. If you go to Bertucci's, you only get the pizza. No, I know, I know. You, People told me that. You, but it, you do not get the 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 other food. Like my boys actually like Bertucci's, 
And Bertucci's is not bad for the pizza, but I've had the other entree food there. Dog food. It's awful. It, it is it is apps and it's jam packed with sugar and salt. It's it's terrible. I literally I, I went I, to a go ahead. No, I was saying I, I literally I could not believe how bad the meal was. I was not expecting wonders, but I could not believe for like eighteen dollars for the entree, I couldn't believe how bad it was. Yeah, no, it's it's bad. I went to a an Applebee's. Oh. You were traveling, and there was there were no other options. Yeah, and I was and I was starving. So there's two just horrifically bad decisions. The first decision was to go to Applebee's, and then the second decision was to get the pulled pork slice. <laughs> yeah, but on the commercial, they look wonderful. They look delicious. They look so, looks so good. And I gotta say, when it came out, it looked good. When I bit into it. It, it tasted good. Did I pay for the next 24 hours? I don't want to go into specifics, but it was, it was not pretty. And also, I had a splitting headache. Yeah. I don't know if it was from the preservatives in the meat or the salt or... It, the meal basically knocked me on my ass for 24 hours. Ugh. Yeah. And I haven't been I haven't been to an Applebee's since. A friend of mine who's worked in a lot of restaurants, he uh and he was a great he was a guy I knew in New York. He he could go to the supermarket and spend ten dollars and just make the most amazing meals. He could make these really cheap because his his mom, he came from kind of a big family and his mom would do it. And he knew about cooking. He really knew he kind of had that next level of of being good in the kitchen. And he uh, he said he went to like an Olive Garden or something, and he asked for a meal, and they said, well, you know, we don't have that. It was like chicken marsala or something like that. And he was like, well, don't you have marsala wine or whatever? Anyway, he, he finally realized it's all boil and bag food. And it's oh. like, are you kidding me? Like boil, like for the prices they charge for their meals, boil and bag? And they don't. They had this thing where they claimed they were sending their chefs. First of all, chefs. I mean, give me it's some high school right. kid back there throwing these right. things into a boiling pot of water. Claimed they went to Tuscany or something. They took. Oh, I'm like, you know, you know what? Come on. Actually, is a a good chain that uses fresh food. Now you're gonna you're gonna immediately drop the mic. Cheesecake Factory. Really. Yeah. So Cheesecake Factory is, I mean, you go there and it's like one dish is like 25,000 calories. Yeah. But they're, um, they, I knew someone, I knew a manager who worked there. And the reason why they, I mean, and they're, you know, again, what you were saying about, they have a crazy long menu. But the reason why they're expensive is because they source a large amount of their ingredients they're they're fresh hmm. so wherever their location is they're so, they're sourcing like fresh vegetables and meats locally so oh, it, wow. you'll rarely see like a 18 wheeler pull up to a uh like you would at like mcdonald's or wendy's and, and drop off the you know the the bags of of food like like the spaceship food that doesn't happen at the cheesecake factory but you know, it's you know there's there's 
downsides to the Cheesecake Factory, like the fact that one dish is your entire caloric act, uh, intake for the for the day, <laughs> for the week. Uh, right for the week. No, it's interesting you mentioned that because there's a Cheesecake Factory in the mall near me, and I, you know, never been tempted to eat there, but just kind of on a whim, I saw it in the drugstore. I bought my mom like a twenty-five dollar gift card, and I thought, well, we can at least go get dessert there or something. But that. That is a good point. Yeah, I'm you glad should you should that. try it because like like have a salad there. Like there's there's salmon, there's oh. salad, there's chicken. It, wow. it it's it's fresh. Yeah, you know, I I remember hearing some guy talking about restaurants on the radio, and he said, you know, if Chili's or any of these other places just took a quarter of their advertising budget and put it into actually getting good food, uh. They may have something, but they, it's all just advertising. It's all advertising, and it's just, you know, mediocre to bad. Food. Like, you never have a good... I'd much rather just go to, like, a small diner and kind of get their specialty and be, you know, have, like, a little bit of an experience, even if it's not fine dining, than, you know, dropping all kinds of money at some chain restaurant where it's like... Like, I remember getting a meal someplace. I think it was the 99 or something like that. And it was obviously microwaved. I'm just like, why am I yeah, coming you know, out to a restaurant for microwave food? I can do that at home, you know? It's it's the power of advertising. Yeah. You know, because they see that commercial. They see, oh, that juicy steak. And then you get there. And it's yeah. just this hockey yeah. puck. You remember? Anyway, we, we, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I remember the movie Falling Down with uh, Michael Douglas. Yes. He goes yes. into the restaurant and he, he gets the burger and they plop it on the counter and he's looking at it and he's like, see what I'm talking about? This doesn't look anything like that picture up there. And it's like, no, it never does. Never does. <laughs> never does. Uh, people think the Working Experience podcast is going to be about how to better yourself at work and how to grind harder. And it's just two chimps jabbering at each other about food, you know? It's a hey, we're we're br- we're bringing it back a hundred thousand years <laughs> to the savannah, and we're picking bugs off of each other and trying to yeah. s- trying to steal the latest kill. To, Literally, to, uh, put it on the fire. Literally picking bugs off each other sometimes. <laughs> it's really gross. Quite literally. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, thanks a bunch. And again, if you can subscribe to us, if you can like us or not like us, give us a review, any kind of review, we'd love it. And share, share the podcast. Sharing is if you're listening, sharing is caring. If you're listening this uh, to this on Overcast or your Apple uh, Podcast, whatever app you're listening to, you should be able to share it directly within the app. Or if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and rate us. We truly appreciate it. Your friends will love you. Love you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Working Experience. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john, J-O-H-N, at onecirclemedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio. 
J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening to another episode of The Working Experience.